Welcome to All About HR. I'm your host, Tom Horn, and I'm on a journey to learn about all things HR. I'm documenting my conversations with thought leaders, HR professionals, and real employees about everything from recruiting, workplace of the future, benefits, you name it. We're all about HR. Let's go. Welcome back to All About HR. We are at episode ocho, episode eight today. Really excited uh, for our guest. Our guest today is Kevin Jonell. He is the founder of Cobalt Consulting, an executive leadership coaching company. Kevin draws from more than 25 years experience working for companies such as Starbucks, 24-Hour Fitness, Bay Resorts, PeopleSoft, University of Denver, in the human resources and operations functions, and he focuses on helping grow leaders to achieve the results they want. Kevin's a faculty coach at the University of Denver's University College, also where he earned his MBA. He sits on the board of Mana Resources, which exists to break through barriers of self-sufficiency and mental wellness. Kevin is passionate about helping people excel, achieving their goals, and finding the work that they love and find inspiring. Kevin is actually one of my neighbors here in Centennial, Colorado. He lives with his wife, three kids. He's an avid fly fisherman and golfer. Kevin, welcome to All About HR. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, awesome to have you on the podcast. It's it's been a, a, an interesting journey. Uh, you and I met uh, just a couple weeks ago um, through a tennis buddy, and just got to talking and found out. Oh yeah, I know this guy Kevin. He's in the HR space. You guys should get up. Fast forward, you know, six weeks or so, and here we are. Yeah, that's awesome. We, uh, we still haven't played tennis together, but we got to get out there on the courts. We definitely need to get out, for sure. Are you a, what's your tennis level? Let me, before uh, I sign five. up for anything. Three, all right, I'm a 3 yeah. so you can kick kick my Good butt enough. all over court a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. So, reading through your resume, we, you know, we also found, you know, you worked at 24-hour fitness, Starbucks, Vail Resorts. I mean, that's a pretty big spread. You know, uh, what was the common denominator? Was it just HR? Was it you liked the companies? Those are all really recognizable names. Tell me about, tell me about that. Yeah, you know, um, definitely the common denominator was human resources, but I, I learned early on in my career that I wanted to make sure that I worked at companies that um, had great culture and strong leadership. And that's really been the common denominator um, at those places as well. So through our conversation, I found that you worked with my old boss that actually brought me from California to to Colorado. Uh, he was he worked at 24-Hour Fitness. So you and I both spent a pretty good amount of time in the fitness industry. Absolutely, yeah. I was um, I was there for nine and a half years, so it was a really good ride. Great opportunity. Yeah, it sounds like a totally different experience than I had. So part of the reason I love HR and that I'm in these HR conversations now is when I worked for uh, Sports Club LA in California, there wasn't much of an HR function. Uh, a lot of the time I was, as I was a general manager, I ran, a, ran some of their clubs. I was the general manager and HR. I was doing hiring. I was dealing with a lot of those uh, a lot of those decisions. And that's where I, I learned the hard way. And I also learned that HR must be really, really interesting uh, in the fitness space for the folks that are actually in HR. Did you find that to be the case or is it just like, you know, doing HR anywhere else? Well, I found that um, it definitely some unique circumstances for sure. I'll give you that. There's similar conflict in many different places. Um, but, you know, for me at 24, there was really high growth and a lot of fun just helping to grow the company 
we were opening up a ton of clubs. The need to develop really strong leaders was was there. So fast paced, fast growth, similar to Starbucks. And uh, it was just a lot of fun to be able to focus on growing the company and growing leaders there. Yeah, it's a really unique space in that most of your employees, they're really passionate about what they do. I mean, it's a lifestyle company. The trainers are passionate about training. Um, The coaches are passionate about coaching. Most of the leadership and management was passionate. They came up, you know, it's not like they went and got a degree in fitness. They came up through the industry. Um, My first COO was a spin instructor 25 years earlier. Now she was running, you know, a a major company. For better or worse, right? That they were, my experience was a lot of those employees were so focused on their passion, but doing anything for the company was really hard they were like yeah i just do this like what like, like i don't care about the paperwork that's not important i don't like i don't care about this onboarding um you, did you find that similar at 24 as, as that team was expanding or what were some of the the nuances that you found um, um in the in the fitness industry specific with hr yeah you know um it's one of the things that i loved about working at 24 was people were so passionate about what what it was that they were doing. But what I often found was that passion also translates into other areas. So if you think about like a general manager, most of our general managers grew up in personal trainer or in the membership area or whatnot. And they just had a passion for providing that for other people. I think that passion I actually think it actually helped them to engage in in all areas of the business for them. And we went through a pretty significant transition when I was there where we had our general managers used to be called club managers. They were very sales focused and we made a transition to really be that general manager, right? That P&L operator owner. And uh, it took a lot, it took a big shift because I think a lot of, actually a lot of fitness organizations were shifting to that general manager kind of philosophy, if you will, uh, where it's not, yes, it's about sales, right? It's important to make sure that you're generating the sales for your for your club, but at the same time, you've got to take care of the operations. You've got to take care of the personal training side uh, as well as the membership side as well. Yeah, it's a really unique space where the general managers and the clubs tend to be sales focused. How do you get the members in? But it's one of the big things that, uh, that I want to make sure we talk through today is well, what's the point of sales if you can't retain your people? And the same, and that goes for customers, clients, and what we're really seeing in the HR space right now, which is retention being a really huge piece. And you being in the, that, that's why I wanted to have you on today was I think you're uniquely qualified to talk about that intersection of leadership, retention, and, and putting it all together. Because you can't just, you know, HR is the same kind of thing as running a club. When I was running a club, I had to focus, I had to take care of the housekeeping team. I had to drive sales. I had to be out, out front talking to my customers face-to-face, my clients face-to-face, and I had to manage all these things. And I think HR is the same way. They're trying to manage compliance, benefits, onboarding, training, leadership more and more is starting to head in that. So um, definitely want to start digging into that. I always, you know, here we are 10 minutes into our conversation. I always like to start with the first official question. What are you listening to right now, Kevin? What am I listening to? Actually, I've been really into Steely Dan the last couple of weeks. Um, So kind of going retro a little bit. And uh, my daughter uh, loves Billie Eilish. And uh, I tend to go back to listening to Billie Eilish quite a bit as well. It's funny how you 
connect on to what your kids listen to. Like my dad, still to this day, oh, I heard Green Day. I was thinking about you. I was like, Dad, I was listening <laughs> like that Dookie album, like my, you know, like sophomore year in high school. He's like, still think That's of you. Uh, <laughs> like he'll put it on. So I, yeah. I, I imagine you probably have a pretty long his, long future with Billie Eilish uh, coming in your I way do. as well. I think I do. I'm going to admit something. Uh, I've been listening to Olivia Rodrigo because my son loves the song Good For You. And I'm like humming wow. it around the house. And it is the most, <laughs> I'm more of a Steely Dan kind of guy than that. But uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the same space with you. Oh, that's great. So let, let's dig into the, the conversation at hand. And, and I'd like to connect it back to your bio. So you're teaching a class right now at uh, University of Denver on leadership, correct? Yes, Absolutely. So tell me about like what are some of the tenets as you're building these these future leaders? What are some of the base tenets that you build on in that class? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the reasons why I decided to teach this class because it's really very similar to my own kind of leadership philosophy and what how I and my business help leaders to grow and the foundation of that is really assessing who you are as a leader, who you want to be as a leader. And the way that the class helps to get there is looking at, you know, what does it mean to be an authentic leader? What does it mean to grow your emotional intelligence and help to be more of a self-aware leader, having an awareness of others? And that's the foundation of that self-awareness is being a, a leader who can not only understand themselves is that foundation of becoming a stronger leader, right? And the course really focuses on that. And then when you think about all the important aspects of leadership in terms of how do you attract an interview for great talent? How do you create a high performing team? So we take a look at that as well and how to have crucial conversations, right? While it we don't necessarily focus specifically on the servant leadership style of leadership in that course. There's so many similarities in terms of looking at um, how can you be an authentic leader? What are your leadership values? How are you able to take those values and incorporate them into building that great team that you're looking to build? And then there's also a component, of course, of the customer engagement side of things. And then recently in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how do you retain great talent? Uh, and that's such an important part of leading a team because, you know, you know, too, some of the, the statistics out there, are the people don't leave companies, they leave their manager, they leave their own leader. So um, with that, how do you make sure that you build a great team and have the leadership capability that develops that trust within the team and with your individuals to help them grow and stay and be happy and engaged employees. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and I want to go back to one of the very first things you said there was that it's really about being a leader isn't about the people that you're leading. First, it's about you. It's about you being able to bring yourself um, so that those people will follow you. And I think one of the most common things that you see is top performers being promoted into leadership, whether they have the leadership skills or not, it's more on their performance and their leadership skills. So can every, can anybody learn to be a leader? You know, as you're coaching, um, I'm sure you see people from all levels as you're yeah. teaching and educating, can everybody learn to be a leader to some degree? And, you know, what's that process, you know, what's that process from being a performer to being a type of servant leader 
look like? Yeah. So the short answer is yes. Everyone can develop the leadership skills. I think, you know, there are people who, who, where it comes more naturally to them, but at the end of the day, everyone can. It's just, you know, when you think about emotional intelligence versus IQ, as an example, IQ, you develop very early in your life. And um, generally speaking, it stays about the same. Emotional intelligence can you can grow in emotional intelligence. And so that's one of the foundations of developing those leadership skills where if you're open to your own growth, right, that self-awareness and expanding your self-awareness, removing those blind spots, everyone has blind spots, right? Yes. Um, things that they don't see about their themselves. And when you're focused on your own development and removing those blind spots, that's what the leadership development is really all about. I think that's one of the positives of what we've gone through over the last 18 months in the workforce. You know, when I go to conferences, when I'm in HR tech, when I'm in these conversations, growth and development, building skills is, is the big conversation attaching itself to retention. And I think people in a lot of the workforce realized, I don't just want pay. I want to work for somebody I respect. I want to work for somebody that's invested in me. I actually want to grow. I want to get better. I don't just want to be where I'm at now. Like, how do I move forward? And I think the workforce in general is really starting to realize that and demand that of organizations and leadership. Are you finding that with, you know, with, with who you're working with, uh, with Cobalt yeah. Consulting out in the workforce? Absolutely. Absolutely. And for those people who lost their jobs temporarily due to the pandemic and shutting down, I think they realized that, wow, perhaps it was a good thing where I want to focus on doing something else that's more meaningful, right? That brings me more joy. And I think that's why you're seeing things like the restaurant and retail world struggling for employees because they've gone and they're getting retrained in areas where they have more passion, as an example. So I think that introspection of having that time away has, one, led to people really getting back to like, okay, well, what do I really value? What do I really want to go do? And for those people who stayed in their jobs, feeling overworked and stressed out because other people left and they're short staffed are like, hmm, boy, do I really want to keep grinding and working 60, 70 hours in this job that just doesn't bring me joy? Without a doubt. And I want to get into how we connect that and keep this conversation going. I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll jump back into how we actually start uh, making some progress on, on great realization, as many people are talking about. We'll be right back. All right, Kevin, it is time for the HR hot sauce questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What is the best job you've ever had? Starbucks coffee, working in uh, human resources. What's the one phrase at work that drives you nuts? That's not in my job description. Ooh, yeah. Do you like working on rainy or sunny days? Yes. <laughs> I'm the same. We both live in Colorado. It's probably more sunny than rainy, so those rainy ones tend to be uh, pretty fun outliers when they do show up. Yeah. How can someone make your day at work? Mm, bring me, bring me uh, an Americano. Ooh, more coffee. Yes. Best useless skill? Ooh, that's a toughie. Tying a cherry stem with your tongue. Ooh, see? Perfect. That's, a, that's why we asked the question. <laughs> Medium, mild, hot, or nuclear? Hot. And finally, your favorite interview question to ask or be asked? 
How would you approach your first 30, 60, and 90 days in the job? Excellent. I'm not going to answer that, but we're going to let you off the HR hot sauce hot seat, and we'll get back to the show. All right, we are back. So, uh, Kevin, you were you were starting to kind of introduce the idea, and we were both talking about people wanting to have this realization, have this growth. What can leaders do right now um, to help develop their teams, to help connect with their teams, and in the end, drive retention of their teams? I think one of the things that is so key to driving retention is to be in communication with the people that you work with. So a lot of my students work for a very large corporation, and we've been talking about this dynamic of leaders being absent at work because they're so busy, you know, they're stretched thin and they're not giving direction. They're not even sometimes not even setting expectations for their employees. So employees aren't engaging because their leader is not engaging with them. You know, whether that's a quick team meeting, if you're in the retail space, a quick meeting in the morning, a quick huddle to get people aligned, give some recognition, talk about what what's the focus is for the day, um, to even having a weekly one-on-one or a, a one-on-one every other week and connecting and providing feedback and recognition and just acknowledgement of the job that they're doing. Um, and there's different ways to do that, but communication is a pretty significant gap that you can see on employee surveys, right? So throughout all the years that I've conducted employee surveys, whether it's at 24 hour fitness or whether it's Starbucks, et cetera, it's very common that the lack of communication is always one of the top three on employee surveys. Uh, We did a study at People Element here when COVID started, and there was a direct correlation to uh, manager effectiveness and communication. Especially, I I think that's always the case, but especially when COVID hit, it really accentuated that piece. Everybody was nervous. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And the managers that were able to connect and, and communicate effectively to their teams, retain talent, were able to continue operating in an efficient manner and, and just were at least more successful than those that were not. Yeah. And many companies, you know, they're, you know, the executives can be really good at communicating to the VPs and to even mid-level managers, but the mid-level managers, then there's oftentimes a gap between their communication to frontline employees. And we're talking about like company communications, right? So where, you know, is my job going to be impacted and how is it going to be impacted? And oftentimes managers might find out what's going to happen. And it's not necessarily that it's confidential, but they just don't cascade the information that they need to cascade. Um, and that's where the anxiety comes from and the uncertainty comes from. And when there is that uncertainty, people look elsewhere. Going back to my days of running the clubs with all the different departments, we called a telephone tag. It was just anytime you learn something, go and telephone tag somebody. Get up out of your desk, go across the floor and, hey, did you hear this? Pass it on. Telephone tag. It was like a physical game that we played all the time of get out and go Anytime you get information, go and tell someone else about that. And then they would go and do that. And it became a fun game. And you'd see people. I'm like, hey, where are you going? I'm telephone tag. I'm like, oh, sweet. And I and I know yeah. where it came from. But yeah, yeah it, that's what everything we're talking about. Uh, our listeners are probably going, yeah, 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 I know this. But it really is the execution 
of communication. I don't say perfectly, but consistently every time. That is the absolute cornerstone, and you can't talk about it enough. Yeah, yeah. And so not only with the company communication, but then when you think about it on an individual basis, right? The other the other aspect that comes up on these employee engagement surveys is that I'm not being developed, right? And so a lot of times what that means is like, well, my my boss isn't even communicating with me. And so I'm not, they don't care about my development. And it's not even like, oh, development as in I'm going to go to a workshop or I get to read a leadership book. It's about providing feedback around your own development and how well you're doing or where you can improve that feedback and that development feedback is not happening, which again, you know, comes across all the time in surveys and it's, and it stems from just a lack of communication. I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday. I, I had two conversations that came together on this yesterday, ironically enough. One on Twitter, someone was like, what's one thing your company does to really make you engaged? And I responded with, my manager holds our one-on-ones every single week, never pushes it, never cancels it last minute, and... I've seen changes based on things we've talked about in the organization. And literally, if there's one thing that makes me engaged, it's that. And then a couple hours later, I was talking to my wife and she was telling a story about, yeah, I was talking to this guy. He's just, he feels like he's looking to maybe move on, looking for different opportunities. I'm like, well, why? He's like, number one thing he said was, I don't know, my manager just, he cancels our one-on-ones all the time. And it, it was wild that we're having this conversation now. I didn't promote this. You don't know any of these stories. I was on Twitter. My wife didn't know any stories. And the connection to that one-on-one, to actually holding those meetings and making them meaningful, has a huge, huge impact. And so many people miss that because they're busy, because they're stretched. And, you know, it's interesting because there's a couple leadership books that talk about, as a leader, showing that you care. And I've had a manager before that was the same way, would cancel one-on-ones and we'd schedule every other week one-on-ones as an example. And literally like a month and a half went by where I didn't have a one-on-one. And we may have had been in meetings together, but it comes across as I'm not important to you because you've got other priorities and I'm not a priority for you, i.e. you don't really care, right? And I don't care who you are. Like, even if you're like, hey, I can work autonomously and I don't necessarily need my boss to give me feedback. It's not necessarily just about feedback or providing direction, but it's just showing that like, I care about you because you're one of my direct reports and I want to give you the support. I want to, I'm very big on servant leadership. I want to serve you. I want to help remove any barriers that you have in being extremely effective in your job. And I just care about you as a person and as a colleague, that's what one-on-ones help to show. But man, when you, when you miss the boat on that and you have, and you're getting rescheduled all the time, that's a pretty big miss. That was one of the earliest lessons I would teach over and over as I was developing younger managers. They go, why do I have to have this one-on-one? I talk to them every day or I'd see them. And it comes down to intention. Yeah, you see them, you're talking to them, but it's not about them. It's about you happen to see them. When you have a one-on-one, you're intending to focus on them. It is for them. You're putting time from your day specifically devoted to Kevin Jonell to sit down and talk to that person. And the intention goes, that that's a cornerstone of servant leadership, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, let's talk about what you're doing at, at Cobalt Consulting um, and tie this in with that. You're talking to these managers that are stretched. They're going, man, how can I talk to these people? I got X, Y, and Z. I got these forms. I got these meetings. I'm getting killed here. How do you coach them to still make time for that leadership function and to realize how important that leadership function is to do these things that we're talking about that we know make a huge difference, that our, that our feedback says makes a huge difference? Yeah, and I think for for some leaders, what the challenge is, is that they they need or want to have this level of control, right? So they take on this responsibility, or perhaps they don't say no to certain things that they're being asked to do. And so they get sidetracked being in meetings that don't perhaps involve their specific team. And so it's part of it is learning what what are your priorities as a manager? And you know, sometimes we can't always say no to certain things, but sometimes there's the pers- propensity to to basically say, okay, I'll be on this committee or I'll take this on and you spend so much time in meetings that you literally don't have time to be with your team. So it's really looking at like what what are your priorities and why is your team the priority? And how do you, and sometimes it's just coaching them through the time management process. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's coaching them through like the kind of their values and the organizational values to see like how are they aligned and how can you work more effectively, right? Um, to get your employees needs met, right? And look, it doesn't have to be like this hour long meeting. Right. It's about it's about the the quality, not necessarily the quantity of time that you spend, right? So you could have a great meeting in 20 minutes and connect and get everything that you need to connect on. You know, those are some of the things that I help people just kind of work through and figure out like where is their priorities and how how the, how they can align those much better. Absolutely, uh, one of the most important books I ever read early on it was like don't pass the monkey or don't i gotta look it up but essentially it was don't let somebody take the monkey off their back and put it on your back and saying no isn't bad and there's a right way to say no but in the end what are you truly trying to accomplish and is taking on x going to help you towards that or not um, either personally or professionally and it was like a hundred page business book and uh, I'll find it, put it on the show notes uh, for this, but it, it was one of those life changing things for me. Cause I'm a, I'm a yes person. I want to do everything. I want to help everybody. And in yeah. doing so I ended up helping everyone less. Yeah. And I, it, th- Kevin Taylor, if you're listening, Kevin Taylor was one of my team members uh, that worked for me and he grabbed me one day and he goes, Tom, we love you. You're great you're not helping any of us right now. And I was like, thank you so much for telling me that. And this is all in the same time period. And it really helped me from there. Yeah, that's great. And you know, the other thing that I was thinking about too, is that oftentimes managers want to have this control and it's not always just about the power that they want to have, but understanding that like when you, when you delegate authority and responsibility, your power actually expands. Right. So, you know, people go to delegating workshops all the time and I'm like, oh, I got to learn how to delegate. And a lot of that has to do with trust. Right. Because you got to trust your team. But you also have to look deep inside yourself. It's like, why? Why am I not wanting to give up control? 
right? And sometimes it's like, well, I, I know that I can do it better, right? You talked about managers who get promoted from being top performers in sales and or a technical expert in something that get promoted. And so they're really good at what they do, but you have to step out as a manager. You have to learn how to how to grow people to be as strong as you were in that individual contributor role. And that that means giving up control, right? And being able to delegate and not just tasks, but delegate responsibility and authority for something. And that's often very difficult. But when you do that, the level of engagement goes up. Why? Because people feel like they're contributing. They're totally contributing to the company, to the team, and that contribution increases their engagement level. I couldn't say it better myself. There's one other thing you mentioned to me when we were chatting earlier that I think ties into some of this, but you have this concept of caddy leadership. Tell us about that and, and, and how, it, uh, how it kind of relates to this, this idea of leadership. I think there's a direct connection to this, this part of the convo here. Yeah, and you know, when I think about a, a golf caddy is where this kind of concept came in and with my business as a leadership coach, I think there's some really strong similarities in my work as a leadership coach to what a caddy does for a golfer. So for those of you who aren't uh, golfers, caddies for a professional golfer is a pretty strong partner out on the, on the golf course, right? So they help assess, you know, when, when it comes to like picking a club to use and looking at the yardage and looking at the field and saying, okay, well, we know that you usually hit a nine iron, you know, 150 yards and uh, there's some wind and it, it takes and assesses the environment and what's happening, helping to hone the golfer and what tools are they going to use, right? To be successful, to hit the best shot possible, to reach the goal they can, which is getting it into the hole <laughs> and, uh, or to score the lowest round possible. So there's just some great similarities. And I think in helping to develop leaders in an organization, it's much the same way. It's like what it's, it's around assessing the skills that they have, the competences they have, and taking that out into the field, taking that on the golf course, taking that into the business to apply those skills to get the results that they want for the business. Yeah, that's, I mean, everybody knows Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia, or not everyone, but those are some big names. When they win, when they play well, the first people they thank are the caddies. And I don't think people are, people are watching on TV or or watching golf and going, man, these, these talented players are so talented, but every shot they take, they're talking to their caddy. Yes. Every move they make, they're directly working with this person and, you know, it's it, it has to come from an egoless place to, to take on this this caddy leadership because the caddy's not like, do you see what did you hear when I gave him the five iron up? I want us, you know, the rider. Right. They're quiet. They're there servant yeah. leadership. Uh, they're there advising and helping the yeah the main leader, the main person out there executing right. the task be successful. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's that's that conceptually that that really I love it. Can't yeah, good things. And oftentimes, that. you know, and oftentimes too, like in the leadership situation, just as on the golf course, bad shots happen, conflict happens. And so it's having also a sounding board on like, okay, gosh, all right. Yeah, I hit a bad shot. How do you put that 
something bad happened. I didn't get the results that I wanted in the boardroom, as an example. And it's not about dwelling on that. It's like, okay, how can I correct this? How can I hit the next best shot? How can I still get on the green? How can I now take this this speed bump, if you will, in business and create something new and, and drive some better results next time, right? And oftentimes, especially at the executive level, you know, CEOs are not going to go to the board and confide in them and talking about their different ideas for strategy or if they're wanting to change the strategy. They want to go in there with the confidence, right, to have the powerful conversation. A coach can help them be that sounding board uh, because the rest of the executive team that the CEO manages, as an example, yes, they might have some confidence within the executive team, which most CEOs are going to do. But at the same time, there are certain things that they don't want to bounce off the executive team. And that's where an executive coach can really play an important role, uh, just as a caddy can play in a really important role for, for the golfer. That's excellent. Let's take this full circle back to kind of putting a bow on this conversation. And when you're talking to your students, what are, in 30 seconds to sum up the class, you're doing a kind of a final pitch to some leaders about Cobalt Consulting. What are the three nuggets that you find to be the most important base that, that even for our listeners, you would give to them that let's say if you're focused on leadership, these are the things you can do right now and areas to focus on to improve your effectiveness as a leader? Yes. So I would say, first of all, keep learning, be a life learner, never feel like you've arrived as a leader. And part of that is, you know, staying humble. And secondly, from a servant leadership perspective, who do you want to serve and how do you want to serve? And keeping that mindset in terms of your team isn't serving you, you are serving the team. And you do that through being the authentic leader, the transparent leader that you are. And and I think the third thing is, and, and maybe it's a little bit related to you know the emotional intelligence and the authenticity or, or the learning component, but um, as you expand your own self-awareness, you also become more self more aware of others. And that's, I think that's one of the keys to really connecting your team and helping people grow and develop to the next level. So that those would be the three things. That is excellent. This is, this has been a fantastic conversation. Honestly, I've got a hundred more things I had just jotted down. I want to talk to you about, so hopefully you will come back. We can, uh, we can continue this conversation at another date, but I, uh, this has been awesome. This has been really, really informative. Kevin, where, where can our listeners find you? You can find me at cobaltcoaching.com, and that's cobalt with a K. Uh, you can also email me at kevin at cobaltcoaching.com, or you can also just give me a call, 303-551-3495, and would love to uh, you know, talk to you more about leadership and helping you grow as a leader. I appreciate that. I'll put all that info in the show notes as well. We talked a lot about collecting feedback and acting on that. So really want to thank our sponsor, People Element. We have a short clip I'm going to run here with People Element. Stay tuned. Don't sign off. Take a listen. Really, really proud of the work they're doing. I think it really directly connects to this to this conversation. This has been all about HR. I hope to see you back. See you back next time. Take care. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
understand, engage, inspire, and retain your people like never before. People Element's employee experience and engagement solution delivers powerful intelligence, giving you the confidence to act. To learn how you can gain a better understanding of your employees, please visit us at peopleelement.com.